All right, church, well, you know how we do here. Get your Bibles open uh, to Mark chapter 4 as we finish off the last uh, six verses uh, of this this great gospel. Now, as, again, you're getting yourself turned there and pens ready and notes ready and all of that thing, got a question for you. Are there anything, is there anything in your life that causes irrational amounts of fear in you? You got anything like that? You know, in other words, I'm talking about things that like freak you out, creep you out, but when you stop and really kind of think about it, you realize, yeah, these, these things aren't really a big, a big deal. They probably, shouldn't, they probably shouldn't make me as afraid as they do. You know, like some people are, some people are like petrified of clowns, right? They're really rattled by that, or it's, you know, scared of the dark, you know, things that when you stop and think about it, you know, again, it's not that scary. Maybe clowns are. Okay, but uh, I was kind of checking this out a little bit this this week, and and some of those some phobias that people have. Have you have you ever done kind of a look at this and seen you know what's out there? The list is not short. Okay, here here's one. People have uh, it's called nephophobia. It's uh, it's fear of clouds. Fear of clouds. I'm so sorry if this is you here today because we're kind of taking a shot at this a little bit. We're speaking lightly of this, but literally, like the fluffy white clouds uh, in the sky. Scared of those. Um, Here's another one ideophobia, which is (laughs) it's the fear of ideas. Like, literally, like, don't invite these kind of people to a brainstorming session or something like that, unless you really want to rattle their cage. Uh, my thing, okay, so I've got a thing uh, that kind of rattles me a little bit, and it's, uh, we got a picture for you. <laughs> Moths. Don't give me that look, like, really? We've all got our things. We've all got our things. And I, and I think this, for me, started when I was... When I, I don't know, I was in like junior high, I think, and I went on a camping trip with, uh, with a friend and his family, and we stayed in, you know, one of those tent trailers that pop up, and we happened to, to leave the door open for too long at night with the lights on, and it turned into, you know, I swear it was like the, the 13th plague of Egypt uh, in this tent trailer, and we were kind of like laughing and giggling, but at the same time, like so creeped out, because these things are hairy and big and gross, and you know when you hit them, they, they just kind of turn to dust? What's going on with this, these demonic-like beings? I, I don't know. Now, perhaps most of us have something kind of like this, or you're just judging me straight up right now for my fear. Uh, but it's something kind of weird like this that causes some kind of, some type of fear response in us. And maybe it's something that at the end of the day, you kind of laugh it off. It's really not that big of a deal. That's what I'm, I'm trying to do when it comes to moths, okay? But, but what about fear when it's legit? Right? Like what about when fear is real and it's serious? You know, the, kind of, the kinds of fears that, that dictate how we live, right? Like the kinds of decisions that we make or, or, or don't make in life. You know, what about those, those moments that we all experience, you know, where we feel so afraid? You know, for you, it might be, it might be financial instability, it, it could be some kind of health crisis or, you know, a family dilemma that is just shaking you to the core, right? Where we feel so afraid that we, we, we just have a hard time functioning properly. And, and in the midst of that, even as believers, we, we kind of stop trusting the Lord, don't we? Yeah, unfortunately, 
that's kind of part of life, right? We, we face these kinds of situations uh, from time to time, and, and maybe for some of us, more than that. And, and we find ourselves so affected by, by very real fear that it can, be, it can get to the point where it's like all-consuming for us, right? It's kind of taken over our, our life in, in so many ways. And, you know, we're trying to live, we're trying to go to work and, and, and care for our kids and just kind of do everyday functions. But this thing has become so all-consuming over us that we can't even just focus on, on the task at hand. It's, it's continually crowding crowding out these things and, and kind of rendering us in certain ways paralyzed. Okay, so what do we do? Right, what do we do as people when we, when we face this? Well, I think many of us here in this room, uh, we know what the right answer is, right? We could all spout that off. If we, if we had a quiz right now, you could all jot this down and get the, chuck, uh, the check mark, right? It's, it's to trust the Lord, Right? To trust the Lord. But I sometimes wonder, uh, for myself, okay, but for, for all of us as well, if, if that answer has sunk down deep enough uh, into our hearts to the point where it's actually making a difference. Right? Is, is that us? You know, where our, where our fears have, have truly uh, been replaced by by that calm and that, that peace and that confidence that we get when our hearts trust the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but, but that's what I'm looking for. Right? That's, that's what I want. Right? I, I'm not interested in, in trite answers. I'm, I'm not interested in platitudes and easy believism and all of that kind of stuff. I, I'm looking for substance. Right? I'm looking for something's real, uh, something that's real. I, I want to know why God is worth trusting. Do you not want that? I don't just want to say, yeah, trust the Lord and then walk away from it all. Yeah, I, wanna, I want a God who can handle me. Because <laughs> I'm complicated. You're complicated. We live complicated lives sometimes. I want a God that, that I can anchor myself to when... When I'm afraid. Right, well, that's the, that's the very thing that our passage uh, talks about here this morning. And so uh, we're going to read it. If you would join me, Mark chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 35. And we're going to read to the end there, verse 41. Hey, follow along. This is what it says. It says, on that day when evening had come, he said to them, this is Jesus, let us go across to the other side and leaving the crowd they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, and the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear, and they said to one another, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? God, we look at this scripture right now, and 
And even at a, at a glance, even as we skim it, Lord, we can see, whoa, you have power. Lord, you have the power to control nature, which means that you have the power to control anything. You have control, you have power over our lives, over every single situation that we face. And Lord, as we struggle in this life and struggle in our relationship with you and struggle with fears and uncertainty and all kinds of different things, Lord, I pray that we would learn as your church to to give these things over to you. Lord, I pray that we would learn to not fret and stress and and have full-on meltdowns because uh, we fail to cling to the God who is able to uh, take care of all of this for us. And so, God, would you have mercy on us, your church? We are but children, Lord, who are, who are learning this, Lord. We need a word from our Father. We need power from you. So, Lord, by the Holy Spirit, would you please move and work in our lives? Lord, I would imagine here this morning there are people uh, up against it. Lord, they are facing massive difficulties, massive problems. And, Lord, I pray that you would draw near to them. Lord, for the rest of us here who uh, maybe uh, can't point to one specific kind of crisis in our lives, Lord, we're still dealing with with everyday stress and everyday kind of worry and anxious thoughts and and fear about, you know, other things that we may uh, kind of say are smaller than than trials, but, but God, at the end of the day, we're to give all of that to you too. And so God, help us to see that you are worthy of being trusted here this morning. God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I got to say, I am like extra excited. I don't know if I can say that, but I'm extra excited to get into this passage with you here today because uh, back when I was uh, in my 20s, in my early 20s, and the Lord was uh, essentially just putting me through a bout of discipline and humbling me and breaking me down of pride and pointing out some major uh, sinful areas that uh, needed to get sorted out. I remember this was one of the passages, uh, one of the very first passages that just had such a huge impact on me because I was faced with a lot of uncertainty and I was faced with a lot of big, big changes uh, in my life and it was all kind of happening at once as the Lord sometimes uh, chooses to do in our lives. And I remember this was just, it just brought me a lot of peace and a lot of calm and a lot of joy. So I'm excited uh, to get into this and I trust that you are as well. And so um, let's go. You good with that? Here's the first thing. Uh, When I'm afraid, I will trust the Lord Because he's intentionally leading me somewhere good. He's leading me somewhere good. Take a look at verse 35 now as we kind of unpack these verses here. It says this, On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, his disciples, Let us go across to the other side. Yeah, that's important, and we'll come back to it. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. Okay, so you remember this from last week. We looked at the first 34 verses of Mark chapter 4, and we saw that Jesus, he was being pressed in on by the crowd. Remember, he got into this boat, and he actually went out a little bit into the bay, and he spoke and taught the people as they were on the shore. 
And so our verses now kind of pick it up right from that moment. That was done. He had already done the you are loved. And so people were kind of leaving, all right? And he was now uh, leaving, uh, leaving the scene in the boat. And there was apparently a bunch of other boats that were with them. Now, we just read our verses today, right? We've read the rest of, uh, of Mark chapter four. And so we know exactly where this is all headed. We know what's coming next. We know that pretty soon the wind's going to be kicking up, right? And it's going to be like, like full-blown panic, right? Pandemonium meltdown here and in just a sec. Okay, but notice before we get to all of that, I said we'd get back to it. Take a look at Christ's words here. He says, let us, what? Go across to the other side. Okay, now that's something that we can easily kind of, I don't know, breeze over real quick, but it's, it's worthy of a highlight in your Bible for sure. You may be like, why? Why is that so significant? Well, because Jesus, listen, Jesus is, is guaranteeing by saying this that they will arrive at their destination. You catch that? That's kind of a big deal. I think if the disciples had, had stopped for just a second as the wind starts to pick up here a little bit and as waves start to crash over you know, the sides of, of the boat here, I think it, it would have probably made their fear you know, a, little bit, a little bit easier to manage because it would have put that wind and, and those waves and, and all of that really into, into perspective, right? Because, because Jesus, okay, Jesus had told them, right? He's already promised them, listen, we're going to the other side, right? Jesus wasn't just throwing that out there, at, you know, to waste some words. He was telling them, this is, this is happening, Right? You, you, can, you can take this to the bank. Okay? This is guaranteed. I am, I am taking you to across the lake. Dry land will be under your feet soon enough. Okay, don't you think that if they'd thought about that a little bit, again, it would have put everything into perspective? Not that they would have been like, oh, well, you know, we can you know, probably do nothing as you know, water is filling up our boat. No, like they, they still would have had to figure out how to deal with these problems, and they would have had to bail water and all of that. But, but it, again, I don't think it would have sent them, sent them over the edge. Now, listen, I, I have no interest in minimizing, you know, your life's challenges uh, you know, or in any way, I don't want to be insensitive about, you know, the fear in your life and the difficulty that you're coming up against. But, but I do believe that far too many Christians spend far too much time with, you know, engaging in a lot of kind of needless hand-wringing, right? A lot of, of panic and worry and fear and really faithlessness all because that we either don't realize that in our storm, God's intentionally leading us somewhere good through it. Right? He's, got, he's got a very specific purpose in our pain and, and in, that, in that difficulty. We either don't realize that or, or we forget that he's got some kind of good destination in store for us. Right? We've, 
You know, we've heard the, the verses many times that, you know, God promises, you know, hope and a bright future. And, you know, we've got that, you know, Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, verse stenciled on a piece of wood in our living room at home. And we see that all the time or it's, we're sure that all things work together for good. Amazing verses. That one's from Romans chapter eight. Keep okay, it in the heat of the moment and in the midst of the fear, we don't. We don't cling to those words, do we? And I think it actually, unfortunately, goes even beyond forgetting those promises from God. I think it's actually worse. I think we actually just straight up don't believe them. Right? We, lack, we lack faith. We simply, we simply don't trust God. Listen, if, if God has you in a storm kind of right now, and, and that's, you know, what your life is, kind of entails right now, and, and you're afraid, realize here today, as we look at this scripture here, that, that this is not random. Okay, this is, this is not senseless. He is intentionally using this by design to do something, to rot something good in you. So trust him. Now, maybe you're still skeptical. And maybe you're thinking, yeah, right. Well, like, what possible good could come from the living nightmare that is my life right now, Pastor? Would love to hear it. Because you have no idea how awful it really is right now. We've got a couple of things here, and these are going to be up on the screen for you. What possible good can come from my storm? Here's the first one. I end up realizing that, that he's all I have. You're like, what? That's good? Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. I heard a great line this week that God is not just what we need. He's not just all we need. He's actually all we have. You know, we live in Canada, one of the most abundant, plentiful nations on the planet in the history of the world we literally have everything we need. No wonder there's not that much of a neediness among even Christians. And we're not that desperate for the Lord. And we don't really care. And we, we come into church and we're, we're so cold and it takes us seven songs to warm up for worship sometimes. We don't even play seven songs on Sunday. Right? And, 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 and things happen and we panic and we think we need more money than we really need. And we think we need the perfect body and we think we need health. We think we need all of it. And sometimes when we go through problems, it's because God is trying to, to needle those things and show us, hey, listen, these things have become idols for you. They, these are things that you worship. These are these things, these things that you think you need more than you actually need me. And it's wrong. These things will not satisfy you. These things will not fulfill you. And so sometimes in the storm, sometimes in the difficulty, what God is showing you is that he is all you really have. Everything, and I'm not trying to be super dark about this, but the reality is everything you have can be taken away. You can lose it. You can lose your family. You can lose that fat bank account. You can lose your home, you can lose your health, you can lose everything. 
He is all you have, and that is what he's trying to show you. And once you receive that, and once you kind of let, guard, let down your guard, and you humble yourself before that, you realize that is the greatest thing ever. And in the midst of that, as you receive that Christ is all I have, and that is awesome, and I'm clinging to him, guess what happens to fear? It begins to drift away. Even if our problems haven't, what possible good could come from my storm? How about this one? I radically transform. I think sometimes we forget. We forget that this is, this is God's mission. This is what he does. Again, being in North America, we think it's all about happiness and we think that what the world has to offer will give us that happiness. I love the line. I, I think about it quite often. Not that I've figured it all out for myself, but God cares much more about our holiness than he does our happiness. And when I say that, when I mention happiness, I mean it in a worldly comfort type sense. God cares very much about true happiness, which the Bible paints as joy. That's what God is trying to forge in you and create in you through the difficulty, through the storm that you're going through. He wants to radically transform you he doesn't just want to kind of add a little bit of Jesus to what your life is already all about. He wants to insert Jesus into all of it, which impacts everything. He wants to transform your very character, your very purpose in life, who you are. That's what he does through the storm. What possible good could come from my storm? Last one here. I see his glory displayed. Sometimes what God wants to do through your storm is straight up show you how awesome he is. That's what he wants to do. And sometimes it's in the form of answering the prayer the way that we have prayed it, the way that we have asked. Lord, would you bring the healing? Would you provide the finances? Lord, would you save my child? Would you do all of these things that, that I need so much? Sometimes that's, that's what he has you going through a trial for, so he can just come in and, and answer those prayers. Sometimes he answers those prayers differently, though, doesn't he? but it's no less his glory on display. That's what God wants to do. And these are the good things that he wants to accomplish through our storm. Write these things down. Pray through these things. They're important. Listen, take courage today. Trust the Lord. Because sometimes, I think what happens is our, our storms and, and our fears, they actually last longer sometimes and cause us more pain and, and the fear kind of builds up because we kind of refuse to let God have his way. And, and we're still trying to, to, to kind of control things and manipulate God into answering the prayers the way I want and to kind of control our lives the way that we want. And listen, resisting God will always delay the good that he intends to show you. Don't resist him. Trust him. When I'm afraid, I will trust the Lord. Here's the second thing. Because he cares, even though it may not appear that way. Verse 37, check that out. It says this, and a great windstorm arose. Okay, now this was quite common on the Sea of Galilee. 
I was like 900 feet, I believe, behind, uh, below sea level, and storms, crazy storms even, uh, regularly um, happened on this sea here, like hurricane-like winds. This wasn't just like a, a common breeze, and these guys were being kind of crazy about it. They just needed to toughen up. No, this was, this was pretty serious, and it says there, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. Okay, but he, that's Jesus, was in the stern. That's the, it's the rear of the boat, right? And it says that he was asleep on the cushion. Now, why was Jesus asleep? Well, it doesn't tell us, but, but maybe it was because uh, he was so exhausted from ministry. Right? We talked about the challenges of ministry a couple of weeks ago and how, again, people were you know, crowding around Jesus and almost crushing him and constantly wanted a piece of him. And he had to like, really you know, fork out time to get away and pray and seek the Lord and be with his disciples and all that. So maybe he's just, he just wiped out. Perhaps it was that he was just so deeply at peace, right? He knew this was going to be fine. He was God. <laughs> he controlled all of it. He knew that they were going to get across to the other side. He believed what he said. Okay, keep going. It says this. And they woke him and, and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Can you kind of get the sense that they were, they were sort of like emotionally afraid at this point? Right, the waves have come over and stuff like that, and and they're just like shaken to the core here. They're they're freaked out, right? Which is saying something about the storm. Because again, remember, some of these guys were experienced fishermen, and they'd spent time on these waters before, and 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 they'd been through it. They've seen storms, and so this was obviously a particularly crazy one. Now, of course, when when you and I are are emotional because of the fear that, that is kind of gripping, you know, welling up in the lump of our, of our throats. And, you know, when we're in that crisis, you know, and our nerves are shot and all of that, I mean, we sometimes respond in less than favorable ways as well, right? You ever maybe like snapped on your kids for no reason or for no reason uh, 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 that they created? It's because of the stress that you're carrying with you from work. It's from some kind of issue in your life and you just kind of fly off the handle a little bit at your kids. Right, not us, no, we wouldn't do that. Okay, but here, how do the, or how do the disciples respond? Okay, well, by kind of sarcastically, kind of in his face, charging Jesus with not really giving a flip about their rather dire predicament here. Now, question. Does the Lord care about our problems? Does he? Are you sure? Again, it's one of those questions, and maybe I set you up, but it's one of those questions where it is kind of easy to give the right answer, right? Yes, we can, okay? But listen, do we actually believe that God cares? Do we? Are you holding to that? Because let's be honest, it doesn't always feel like it, does it? It doesn't feel like, we go through it. I've been praying about this for, for days. I've been praying about this for weeks, months, decades. And it doesn't seem like the answer's coming. It doesn't seem like it's getting better. It seems maybe even like it's getting worse. But listen, some of that might be the, might be the problem. It's that we follow our feelings too easily, don't we? Our feelings about the situation. Okay, and, and perhaps we're, 
we're most susceptible to, to going down that road of, of following our feelings when, when we're afraid. Because the, the emotions associated with fear are so powerful. You know what that's like. You've woken up in that sweat before, haven't you? You, you know that, that stress and it's awful. Okay, but these verses show us here that, that despite how things might, might feel or, or, or appear from our vantage point when we fear, okay, there, there's always more to the story. So listen, as, as you're dealing with fear, okay, a couple of things for you to kind of focus on uh, here this week. Okay, maybe a couple of these will, will be something that you can cling to. How about this? Just because God's been silent doesn't mean he's never going to answer. Does it ever feel like that? Right, it does. He's been silent for so long and, you know, I, I read the scriptures where God seems to care and he answers people's prayers and I see him, ha- him doing that in other people that I know. Uh, but he hasn't really done it here and I don't know, maybe he doesn't really, maybe he doesn't love me. Listen, just because he's silent doesn't mean he's never going to answer. The Lord is, is maybe building up endurance in you. We're, in, we're an immediate gratification culture, aren't we? I want it, I want it now. We have smartphones for that very reason. I've said it before, I always think about microwaves for that reason. I don't want to have to like cook something in the oven, right? I want it now, I want it in 30 seconds. How about this? Just because God feels far away doesn't mean he actually is. Don't trust your feelings too much in this, okay? God is, is near to you. I think you got to, you know, ask yourself the question and, and think about is, does God feel distant because I've got sin in my life that's hindering intimacy with him? Maybe that's, maybe that's not it, though, and and, and maybe he's just being quiet because he's teaching me something that I don't quite understand yet. Right in those moments, we need to trust him. This one, just because it appears that God's given up on you, it doesn't mean he has. Hey, God doesn't do that. He doesn't give up on people. He doesn't bail on you. He doesn't bring you part way and then let you try and figure out the rest of it. Right, he's with you every single step. Don't go by how things maybe appear from your own, your own position. Here's one. Just because you feel like you're at the end of your rope doesn't mean you are. Have you ever been like, man, I'm just so at the end of my rope here and I need the Lord to come through. And then you realize the trial lasts like a long time after that. Oh yeah, maybe I wasn't quite at the end of the rope the way that I thought I was. And again, it's one of those endurance things. We're kind of... We're kind of soft spiritually sometimes. And God's trying to toughen us up by showing us that we can endure much, much more than we thought we could. He's making us stronger for the next one. He's making you stronger so that you can be more useful uh, in his kingdom. How about this? Just because you're facing problems doesn't mean that you necessarily did anything wrong. Okay, sometimes we attribute, we attribute pain and we attribute suffering and trials and storms and all of those things because I must have sinned. And we rack our brains continually and you know, we, we beat ourselves up about you know, what I have done and I am dust, Lord, and please forgive me and I must have... 
That's not what it is. The whole book of Job is about that. Job didn't do anything wrong. God just simply brought him to new depths in his relationship with him. It had nothing to do with his sin. His friends thought that was the case. And they gave him horrific advice because of it. Right? Maybe the Lord is just, again, he's just teaching you some stuff that you've got to just be patient on and wait for. Here's another one. Just because you're in a crisis doesn't mean that God's out to get you. Ah, here we go again. You know, God seems to love these other people in our church and these other people in our small group and answers all their prayers, but here, same classic God, out to get me, out to punish me, out to do me harm. God's not vengeful. He's not. He's, he's got a plan. And here's the last one. And just because you feel like giving up doesn't mean you should. God cares so much about you and I and what we're going through. Don't trust your feelings too, uh, too much about this. When you're afraid of the unknown and, and all of those things we just talked about, trust the Lord. And root yourselves in the promises of God. Root yourselves in the character of God to know and know that he will be with you. And he's a good, he's faithful, he's a loving Lord. And remember, one of my favorite phrases, and you've heard me say it before, truth leads, emotions follow. Okay? And what's the truth in these moments where we fear? He cares. He cares. Here's the third thing. When I'm afraid... I will trust the Lord because he's more powerful than I'm giving him credit for. Verse 39, take a look at this now. It says this, and he awoke. Okay, so the disciples have come and they've gotten up in his face about this. And it says that he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was great calm. And one of the biggest things that we lose sight of, I think when we're afraid, is just the sheer enormity of uh, of God's power. Probably because it's just so easy for us and our tendency is, is to just kind of shift our eyes, you know, off of the Lord and being focused on him and onto our problems to the point where our, our problems seem even bigger than God. Remember, for these disciples there, it wasn't that long ago that they just saw Jesus do so many amazing things, right? They saw him, you know, heal the, the demon-possessed man and and the man with leprosy and, and the paralytic as well. We just looked at these powerful, miraculous acts. Okay, but their fear here in this moment suggests that they, they still didn't quite get just how powerful he really was. And he really is. Does that sound familiar? I think that's pretty, pretty much par for the course for us too. Right? He showed power and authority over demons and over illnesses and over disabilities. And we're going to see more of it as we continue to read on in coming weeks. And, but right here we see him showing power you know, over the, the very forces of, of nature simply by, by commanding the wind and the waves to be still. And again, we're, we're just like these guys, right? We're just like the disciples, kind of 
figuring things out and some days we get it and some days we seem to kind of forget and lose track of all of this. I mean, how many times have we seen God move in power, you know, in our lives? And yet when the next kind of trial strikes and, and that fear again kind of rises up and they get that pit in our stomach and, you know, and, and it's gripping our hearts and it's kind of dictating how we respond and what we do and even what we believe and it's feelings driven and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. It's like our trust just goes out the window sometimes, right? And then even we find ourselves like, kind of like caught off guard when the Lord does come through. It's like, oh man, like I'd been kind of asking about this, but I didn't actually expect it. And I think sometimes we pray so unexpectedly. We don't realize that, that God does move and he does work. I mean, he, he's much more powerful than, than we often give him credit for. So listen, let's as a church and as, as individuals and as families here, let's, let's kind of learn to flip that script a little bit here. And, and by grace, let's, let, let's work on some growth here and grow to kind of properly trust the Lord as, as the all-powerful God that he is. The God who does far more abundantly than some of what we think and act. Is the word some? The word is all, right? More than all we ask or think. I love that from Ephesians 3. So how do we get there? Well, let's get there. Okay, that's learning to give God the credit he deserves and learning to understand his power and clinging to it. Listen, first of all, by, by growing in gratitude. I think that's a, that's a huge way of, of, of being more captivated by the power of God and not losing sight of it. I'm so blessed to, to pray with our elders uh, every single week, and, and so often, so all of them, we're, you know, we're constantly thanking the Lord for, for everything that he's done in our church here and, and the church in Markham as well, and going back and, and thanking the Lord for the provision of the building there and, and, and the people that God's bringing here and the office that God has given us and things like the ability to bring John on staff and, and to grow small groups. And we're constantly thanking the Lord for what he has done and what he continues to do. Do you do that in your life? I think sometimes we're like, thank you, Lord, for what you've done. And then we kind of move on from it. Do you ever go back and like thank the Lord for what he did in your marriage eight years ago? That turning point? God, thank you. Thank you for what you have done. Continue to grow us. Do you thank the Lord for what he's doing in your life, how he saved you months, years, decades ago? The more you're, the more you're thanking God for that, the more his power is rising to the, to the forefront of your mind. And the more you're going to be realizing, like, oh, yeah, he is awesome. This is what he, this is what he does. This is, this is who he is. And you find yourself not forgetting his power. I mean, it'll be an amazing shot in the arm to your faith and your trust in him as you grow in gratitude and thanksgiving. I think another way that we learn to give him the credit he deserves and and understand his power and all of that and, and to appreciate it is by, um, by talking about the Lord. Okay, not just giving gratitude, but talking about him. I think it's a sad state of affairs when we can hang out with other believers and, and the, the idea, the topic of God never comes up. Do you come to church and talk with people but never about what the Lord's doing in your life? That's a problem. 
Okay, now to be clear, I have zero problem with us talking about the fun things of life and the challenges and the ups and downs and just like, you know, things. I have no, there's nothing wrong with that. But talk about what God's doing. Share the wonderful things that he has done in your life, in your family's life. Ask people, what's God doing in your life lately? Pretty easy question. Get them thinking about it. You're helping each other recognize, oh yeah, God is doing some things. Oh yeah, he has answered some prayers I haven't thought about too much. Oh yeah, his power is awesome. Do you see how it starts to go there? keeps his power out in front of us constantly, we'll be less likely to forget it. Listen, we'll be less likely to doubt it because we have eyes to see it. And understand, we're never going to have a perfectly crystal clear picture of, of just how powerful God is this side of heaven. Right? I can't wait till heaven. We were talking about this in our men's ministry uh, on Thursday morning this past week. Right? We got heaven waiting for us. We're going to be able to see God face to face. His power unveiled. That's going to be awesome. Listen, allow that, that in itself, to strengthen your trust in him when you're afraid. The last thing here. When I'm afraid, I will trust the Lord. Why? Well, because he reveals that it's where the right kind of fear leads. Verse 40 He said to them, this is Jesus to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Hey, listen, what was happening here in this moment is that the sheer terror that these men had just experienced in the midst of this awful boat ride, okay? What was happening is it was converting into the right kind of fear. The, the awe, the, the, the respect, the, the, the wonder at their God. Okay, you just so happened to be in the boat with them that evening. Okay, which then allowed them to begin to trust him with their lives. As you see the the Lord move in your life and in the different storms and in the hard times and the good times too, does that cause you to fear him? To to tremble and recognize his his great might. Recognize his ability to control situations way more perfectly than you and I ever could. His ability to discipline us if our hearts get too hard and we get going too far down that path. Do Do you love him? Do you respect him? Are you like, wow, when you think about the mighty works of the Lord, Because it's that kind of of holy fear that that leads us to to truly trust him. If you're not captivated by him in this way, no wonder you have a hard time trusting the Lord. Because at the end of the day, you don't really see him as one who is, is worthy of your trust. So listen, church. Again, if you're in the thick of it right now and and you're afraid and it's it's fear and it's the sweats, and it's all of that. Listen, allow your painfully evident lack of control over your life, right? That's, that's stark, right? And also the, you know, the Lord's sovereign supremacy over all things, right? The wind and the waves as we see it here and your troubles. Allow these things to cause you to fear him, to fear him. 
and ask him to continue to like, produce in you a growing, thriving, biblical sense of the fear of God. Okay, that'll just increase and bubble over and overflow even more as he continues to work in your life however he sees fit. Now, I think it would be a, an absolute crime if you were to leave here today and, and thought, well, you know what, I'll, I'll, try and, you know, I'll try and remember that. You know, next time uh, I'm fearing, next time my life is turned into a, you know, a barren wasteland of utter destruction, you know, then I'll try and trust the Lord. No, that, that, that would be the wrong approach. Okay, this, this trust that we're talking about here, it's for everyday life. It's for every situation. It's not just, it's not just for the real severe, acute, awful pain that, that can grip us. Because I think it's, it's really easy to kind of gloss over this, but I think so many of us here in this room, probably all of us, if I could take a stab at it there, we kind of easily carry with us this, this low-grade kind of fear. This, this low-grade sort of anxiety and, and worry that has just sort of become part of our lives and, and we don't realize that it's this millstone that we're dragging around with us because we've just kind of gotten used to it. And, and it's become this, this, it's even comfortable. And we don't even really recognize it anymore. And so we fail to, to really grasp that trusting the Lord is for those moments too. Right? Just as much as it is for the real, epic, crazy storms. So listen, begin to think about it this week and today. What are those, sort of that, what's that undercurrent of fear that, it, that is governing me and causing me this stress that I can kind of manage, but over time you realize you can't? What is it for me? And then seek to apply these things that we've been talking about this morning as we work towards trusting Christ. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm, I want to be so done with fear ruling the roost. I, I want to be done with it. Done with all of that fear, worry, being afraid, all of that having its way in my life. No more paralyzation that, that happens when this kind of fear rules us. No more fear dictating what we believe is true. I want to trust the Lord. I want to trust the Lord. Why? Because he's worth it. Because he's able. Because he's awesome. Make that your declaration. He's leading you somewhere good. He cares about you. He's all powerful. And fearing him will lock down that peace that you are looking for in your heart.